0: You are listening to Bringing Grace to the Nation's Podcast, where we talk about your theological questions. BGN Podcast is produced every Saturday for your enjoyment. Get more information on our website, grace-nation.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at GraceNationMin and on Facebook. Now, here is your host, President of Grace Nation Ministries, Victor
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I'm your host Victor, and I'm so excited to be able to bring you a brand new episode uh, of our podcast, where we're kind of, kind of be picking up where we left off last week, but we're also going to be diving into some newer views and newer topics, yeah. And Billy, you're back? Thank yes, you. Yes, I am here. I am back. It's the, been
2: uh... thirty minutes since we last recorded. We weren't supposed to talk about that. We were planning on not talking about we how literally we, just talked like about how we were five not gonna minutes do it All sad. I all I did was <laughs> we take literally. went to the bathroom, made a snack. <laughs> now we're back. <laughs> well,
3: well, Tyler. Yeah. I'm how's here. it going, man? I'm still here, man. It's yes. a week later. It's a week later.
1: And it's a week
2: later for our audience. We're glad you guys yep. are yes. here. Yep. Thanks for coming back. So excited. I love being back. I'm really proud of the people who persevered through the first one or back for the second one. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I love this topic, guys. It's, like, me too. it's fun. really fun. People hate on it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a, it's, it's
1: probably one of the most like, why the heck would you study right. something so like not important? And like, Guys, when I tell you, I did like a year of like just deep eschatological studies. Yeah. And when I was in high school, yeah. my biblical fluency, when like I knew yeah. scripture well that after studying I, yeah. that term, I understood. Man. I like, I knew yeah. what Daniel talked about. I yeah. knew what Isaiah talked about. I yeah. knew what Revelation right. talked about. So yeah. even if the topic is about our future and about the end times, and it doesn't really matter how it goes down. For the edification of our souls, Absolutely. understanding the way the Bible is laid yeah. out, understanding the different genres of, of texts good. that are in the Bible, and yes. understanding the cultural Absolutely. context and the audience, guys, it's such a, an important topic to, to dive into Absolutely. because it just helps us know our God better. Absolutely. And And like that, that is not
2: silly. No. And we we have to know that the study of the future affects how we live our everyday lives. Absolutely. And I did did, the same thing that you did. I I took a year of just studying the Bible, all the passages that talk about the end times uh, and, and it edified me. It sanctified me. It stirred my affections for the Lord. It got me excited for his return. And I can promise you that as a young believer, that was the season where I first experienced a real joy and excitement for sharing the gospel with people, yeah. knowing that my Lord was going to return any day now, and I wanted to be found faithful. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm really glad that you bring that point up. But, it's just
1: it's just a huge thing. Like yeah.
2: I, I, like I, especially when I was studying it, I had
1: people, pastors, you know, friends telling me like, "Why are you doing that, man? Why are you yeah. wasting your time?" Yeah. Like, I'm like, guys, after this year. I can t- I can tell you what Daniel's all about. I yeah. can tell you what Revelation's all about. Yeah. I mean, I can try my best. Right. You know? And so like just getting to know scripture better Absolutely. helps you get to know God better. Absolutely. And so, yeah, definitely if if, yeah. if you're just like, man, I don't really know why people study this, I I really encourage you to dive yep. into the scriptures understand the author of our That's salvation good. better. Mm. Understand his character. That's it's good. not worthless. It's not a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely edifying for the soul. Yeah. I can yeah. testify to it because I did it.
2: And yeah. I think it's important to know, and we didn't say this in the last podcast, but I think we should go and say that when we're studying a topic like this, such a big... Uh, big topic that we discuss within systematic theology within orthodoxy is that we can't build our entire theology based off of one passage of scripture. We have to study the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God, all the passages that deal with this topic right. before, when we formulate our opinions on it. It can't just be, we read this one passage, there we go, now we know exactly yeah. how everything's no, going to unfold.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, saying that, like, we're picking up where we, where we kind of left off yeah.
2: last week. We're talking about eschatology. Before we jump in, though, didn't you have an apology to make to our friend Tyler I do, here. Tyler, I yeah. made yes. <laughs> I made a joke in the last episode, <laughs> right?
1: About sending all of the guys. To you, you did, yes. You're not gay. I'm yes. not gay. He is
2: not gay. We are it was all just f- a joke. Th- all three of us are heterosexual, Bible believing yeah.
3: men of God. I think something happens. Like the three of us are friends, and we love kidding with each we other. We get in this r- and routine. we get in the room, and we yeah. just we riff off one another. We have fun. Yes. You didn't hurt my feelings. No, well, I, know, right? I know. I know did. I it didn't. I don't care about you. Of <laughs> course not. <Who> would? <laughs> but, it's, but it's different when we're not recording. We have people yes, listening right. who don't know us. Yeah. Right. And we don't want to ever, one, cause offense, two, potentially cause a stumbling block for right, people. Right. Thinking that, like, there's a person on a podcast talking about Jesus who's in ministry, who's going to seminary, who is actively gay. Right. Right? And yeah. not as if I'm inactively gay. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. So we just wanted to clear so, that up. So, like... Everybody get yes. that. Everybody yes. want gets to okay with that. Yes, um, and then you guys aren't either. You guys are—we are not. You guys no, are, are not, not. Yeah. bio-believing, heterosexual. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm technically going to seminary, so you're—you're you're going to seminary as well. I <laughs> like that makes a difference on your sexual preference. I mean, just, preference. he's at, um, you knew it. I just no. want to say, i just want to say—I'm going to seminary. <laughs> he is okay. going to seminary. I mean, I am too. No, not yet, buddy. At some point, you are. I'm a youth. pastor will get there. Right now. You'll okay. get there. That doesn't mean you're a, a youth seminary. pastor. That's like—isn't that like a fake pastor? Is that like a? Oh, okay. I'm have a you, youth have pastor Have you read the Babylon I'm a youth pastor I'll see you guys later.
1: You're a rank up. You're like a cop college pastor? Okay.
2: It's, it's yeah. that, that. No, 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 no. That's not a rank up. Who's easier to deal with? Let me really ask that question. College students or middle
3: schoolers? Definitely yes. college students. I I don't know about easier. College students are easier for me to talk
2: to in them. the sense that you connect for me. better with them. This has nothing better. to do with our podcast. Guys. Yeah, we could we could do that another day. Yeah, let's do um, another come on, day. Uh, let's uh, talk yeah, about college I school. I I love middle schoolers. Uh, so so, <laughs> so we
1: kind of we we have kind of this disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, this umbrella this you know underscore of of, you know, the way we're going to approach our conversation, the way we should all approach our theology. And so we want to give that disclaimer again. In case you missed the last episode, we really encourage you to go check it out. We talked about two views that are really prominent in Christianity. And so we we encourage you to go check that out. But but we just want to restate this umbrella underscore, you know, statement that we're coming from when we're having this conversation. And it's an attitude of humility.
3: I mean, so I'm reading, uh, John Piper probably has a a bigger influence on me than any other Christian thinker, um, which is... Completely true, John Piper. If you're listening, hi. Um, he he wrote a book called uh, "Peculiar Glory." Oh, it's such a good book. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful, uh, and he wrote it about the Bible and about why we can trust the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and there's one sentence he said that struck me. He said, "We can know truly." But we cannot know comprehensively or flawlessly Mm. while we remain sinners. Absolutely. I I think when we're especially dealing with eschatology, when we're dealing with areas of, like we said, outside of the concentric circle of orthodoxy, right? right? We have to come in with this understanding of, I can know things truly, but I can't know fully right right i know jesus is coming back i put my hope in it i know i'm going to be judged at the end of eternity absolutely and purely yeah. based on the merit and work of jesus and nothing else yeah. i can know that truly ins and outs when right. how i can't know fully.
1: yeah and i mean even so we went to north carolina uh, a few about a month ago or two months ago That was two months ago. yeah two months ago yeah. and we went to go visit southeastern and at the, the president of of the university came and he spoke at a dinner yeah and he, he he, he kind of said this one thing that stuck with me and still sticks to me now. He's like, you're not coming here to teach. That's good. You're coming here to learn to and be fed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the approach we have to have. We're learning this stuff alongside you guys. Right. And we want to just share our experiences with you yeah. as I want to hear your guys' experiences. You know, so coming at it from that angle of humility, I don't know it all. I'm wrong on a lot of things. Yeah. I have a lot of areas to grow in, but hey... I'm diligently seeking the scriptures. Let's That's talk it. about mm. what God is showing me That's through it. these things in this season of my life. it's good. Let's go. Yeah. You know, mm. so we want to have that umbrella underscore, that bubble of humility that coming into this conversation so that we don't come out as these, right. you know, really strong, strict, reformed Calvinist, right. you know, guys that yeah. this misconception where we slap people with the Bible. Yeah. Right. No, we want to show that we're deeply yeah. impacted by the love of Jesus. Yeah, right. And that yeah. is what
2: is motivating us to share our biblical convictions yes. with you guys. And I think it's important that we know and that we make a point again to know that we're, we're all just 20-something college yeah. students. Um, and we love the word and we want to approach it, like we said, from attitude of humility, sitting under its authority. And tr- all we want to do is teach the scriptures accurately uh, and, and our love for the word try to interpret it in a way that people can understand. So when we talk about these views, whether we agree with them or not, we're just trying to bring clarity to the people, encourage them to search the scriptures for themselves, but understand the main point behind everything is that Christ is returning, judgment's coming, and we need to be prepared for that. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to do everything that we can to fulfill the Great Commission while we're still here. Right. Absolutely. So... Billy, we're going to talk about post-mill first. What's that? This
1: is the next view <laughs> in our... So we went from pre-mill. Yeah. We went from historic pre-mill, yeah. dispensational pre-mill, post-mill. Yep. So explain it. Tell us a little okay. bit about post-mill. Just uh, We're not going to spend too much time yes. on post-mill Yeah.
2: as it's not that popular. Yes. Yes. Um, it's probably the least popular of the views, at
1: least now. Yeah, it's probably the least popular of the views. Yeah. Uh, not saying again, not coming at it. That doesn't make it wrong. That doesn't make it stupid. Right. That doesn't. It doesn't make it any of those it's things. Just the least hell. Yes. It's just the least hell. Yes. Yeah. And so we. So that's why we're not going to spend as much time yep. on it because right. the likelihood of you guys listening yep. probably aren't post mill. Yep. Yep. So tell us, uh, yeah. just to give us a sh- kind of short definition, and then Tyler, you're going to tell us kind of the origins of post-millennial
2: theology. Yeah, yeah. So so Tyler will get more into the origins. I will say that I have a lot of theologians who I greatly admire who are post-millennial, you know, like Tim Keller, yeah. uh, Douglas Wilson, uh, and, and many of the Puritans, their writings who yeah. I read, and I just I soak in the writings of the Puritans. They were all post-millennial mm-hmm. uh, in our definition of what that term means. Uh, and so a basic... Just quick definition of what it is. Uh, it's basically the belief, and you know, just like Primo was prior to, post being after, after the millennium, the return of Christ, the eschaton, will take place. Uh, millennials would define the millennium as this period of time in which the Great Commission would be fulfilled, the gospel would advance, and the Christianization of the nations would come to fruition. Um, As in, as the gospel is advancing, as Christians are doing the will of God on earth as is in heaven, that the kingdom of God will advance in such a way that it impacts societies of the world and that Christ will return following a time in which the majority of the world will be in Chris- a sense, Christianized. Christian, right. Christianized, yeah. Uh, and so they, they view it as kind of like the millennium as this golden age or era of Christian prosperity and dominance mm. uh, throughout the cultures. Like uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a literal thousand years. I will say this. There are two groups of post-millennials. There are those who believe that there is a defined thousand years uh, and that we, we can't know when it will start. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There are some who, who believe that, that there's a literal thousand That's years. That's the only one
1: that I've heard of. I, I, yeah.
2: I don't know that. There's another the, one. The second I one. only would, knew a figure of- Yeah, hmm. the, the second one is, is figurative um, or spiritual in the sense that it began at the ending of Christ's first advent and will end with his second advent. There's this progression of the advancement of the kingdom of God and they would view that as the millennium. Huh. Yeah. So there's people that there's a there's an idea in postmill that
3: there will be a one thousand year period yes. where a majority right. of the nations will literally be Christianized. Right. Yes. And and the the thing I is, yeah, I they always can't knew the figurative,
2: and they can't differentiate. They don't know when that will come about. Uh, they can only hope and pray for it and for it to occur. Right. Yes. Right. And
3: I guess that's that's tying into Jesus's words when he's talking about the
2: full number right. of people coming right.
3: to salvation right yes. it would yeah. come
2: from that yeah I my idea?
3: my friend calls that yes. hopeful
2: yes. Post- fullness post- number yeah. 1000 hopeful post yeah. 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 yeah yeah that's fascinating it's definitely the most optimistic of the views yeah. um you do have something to say regarding it's origins. It's origins and yeah. it's popularity.
3: Anytime you're going to understand an idea, you have to understand the origin of the idea. Yeah. Right? R.C. Sproul has
2: a great book on that he called sure Consequences has. of yes. Ideas. Oh, yes. I love that
3: book so much. It's incredible. Just R.C. Sproul Fantastic. Um fantastic. Postmillennial theology really rose out of the Second Great Awakening in the United States. And during the Second Great Awakening, there was an incredible fervor of evangelism, especially with the expansion West. So Postmill is largely a an American... Western view yes. um, that has a optimistic view to it, because we Americans are right. optimistic, yeah. right? And has this idea that as the colonies and the beginning of the nation is expanding West, there is a Christianization of America that's occurring, yes. right? So post-mill yes. thought actually seeped into much of American historical thought and into much of American church thought. Yeah. And so um, that's what John Wesley had some post-mill tinges to it. Yes. A lot of the Methodist church has post-mill yeah. tinges to it because it's this idea right. that, man, the second great awakening was a boom of evangelism. Hmm. It was where people left and right were coming to know Jesus. So it's as these ideas emerge, so will the evangelization of the nations. So um, it is hopeful and it's rooted in that historical context. And if you understand that context you go yeah
2: oh now i get why they thought that yeah way. would you say now that there I was understand. a resurgence of that thought like let's say like post-world war one um maybe post-world war Two, a resurgence i would of this- say pre-world war one yes prior um, to that so
3: pre-world war one there was this idea of a that the 20th century was going to be this um beautiful perfect final society mm-hmm. that was largely in europe when that was happening yes um so in in germany in many european countries pre-world war one it was this idea that it was going to be the century century of people right? yeah and people were going to yeah. uh dominate in a way education was going to be so far-reaching and far-expansive that we weren't going to have any issues with ignorance mm-hmm. um, that we were going to have these ideas dominate the globe yeah um that even Christianity would come to a point of dominating the globe. That was yeah. pre World War One, and then World War One happened, and World War One completely devastated yeah. the Shattered entirety yeah. of uh, Europe. And of all the nations in that direction and then World War II happens and then what actually seeps in is this incredible pessimism. Hmm. We go from the heights of yeah. pre-World War I to the depths of post-World yeah. War II and then you start seeing Nietzsche, nihilism. Right? You start seeing the advent of communism and yeah. these massive pessimistic ideas yeah. where pre-World War I we were good with the evangelization of an entire world because yeah. we saw it happening. We saw technology right. as our savior. We saw it as a way of yeah. Progressing so that we wouldn't regress anymore. Post World War II, hopeless, lifeless, yeah. incapable of moving
2: forward. Would so- you say that within Christian thought, specifically Christian eschatology, that this is where, like, let's say the '60s, '70s, where premillennialism became once again the dominant view? '60s, '70s. Um, yeah, uh, like with '70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the um, like the late Great Planet Earth, all these dispensational books coming out. Yeah. Uh, then then how Lindsay uh, then you know, Jenkins and their. Well, left I mean, behind and series. we have to understand
1: dispensational theology is relatively new yeah it came about it came
2: about, it came about at the 1830s so, with john darby yeah so
1: yeah. taking that also into account you know new thing like uh yeah. who says it new is always better what's that that's from? good it's from i it's think from something. i think it's from that's how funny. i <laughs> is it uh, yes barney's rule is new is always better yeah. he uses it in the wrong context right. but yes very in this wrong context, context yeah. let's apply yeah. it right i, I would agree <laughs> and
3: what you're you mentioned with the um Sort of the Americanization of dispensational thought. Um, that occurred in the mid to late 20th century. Yes. Not so much dealing with post-mill eschatology, but actually as a um, a bulwark against liberal theology, mm-hmm. right? So you had liberal theology, you had Schleiermacher, you yeah. had all these crazy things going on in Germany yeah. and Europe, and then you had Karl Barth and
0: like right. just yes. wreck these yeah. fools. Yes. right?
3: And so in the twentieth century, yeah. you were either one of two things: you were liberal and didn't think the Bible was real, or you were dispensational.
2: Right? Okay, right. Okay, so that, so that is essentially. Post mail thought. That's just a quick, brief history. Yeah, and bring yeah. back yeah. dispensation. You know. Yeah, <laughs> because you know. we got and, to, I, yeah. and I will say just one point: the the biblical basis behind this, just really quick, uh, is the. I think whenever I've talked, and I have a post friend, friend, uh, they do exist. <laughs> <laughs> They're around. Yes, yeah. and and he told me the the it's main. Like a Florida Panther. <laughs> <laughs> The main no. basis, <laughs> the main biblical basis that he uses to support it is two things. One, he interprets a lot of passages that we apply to the end times to apply to AD 70. He takes a partial preterist interpretation approach when huh. it comes to those passages that talk about the end times. He says that this... Applies to pre AD seventy, uh, and that it's not talking about the end of the t- at the end of the world. And then he also says the parables of Jesus speak of the kingdom of God starting small, like a mustard seed or a little leaven that continually, progressively grows, yeah. turns into the tree that all the birds of the air can perch their nest on uh, so that's just a thought that it continues <laughs> to grow um, we we the three of us would not hold that view we wouldn't no. say we're, not. we're we're actually about to transition into the view that we all
1: either lean to or hold yes I think you're the only you're. I'm you're the, the only one, one who actually like hardcore, you firmly like, yeah. hold
3: tight <laughs> right. I, and firmly and, it. right? firmly grasp the stars, it firmly grasp it yes and I'm I'm kind of there you know Spongebob's <laughs> the best theologian right well, oh yes Spongebob's absolutely. the best when in doubt pinky out like <laughs> when in doubt pinky out <laughs> <And> <laughs> then,
2: can you feel it, Mr. Krabs?
3: <laughs>
2: uh, that's I'm what happens after salvation. I... Mr. Krabs just got saved. <laughs> Can you feel it yet? Uh, <laughs> do you have the spirit yet? So, with that, I'm a goofy goober, and let's get into the last yeah, topic. So I'm this, goofy goober. That's this topic amazing. we want
1: to spend the majority of the time. Yeah, yeah like Speaking the last it, 15, 20
2: minutes. So,
1: millennialism. Yes. Fun stuff. This and is probably m- one of the most controversial again, of the views. Again, this is uh, not. A widely accepted view. Uh, we talked about it uh, a few episodes ago when we were talking about yeah, we briefly covenantal mentioned it, briefly theology. Mentioned it. As covenantal theology it is not the majority accepted view, neither is amillennial uh, theology. And I think. Yeah. There are some misconceptions that we need to talk about, about um, Amillennial theology. I think we need to talk, then we'll talk about the biblical basis. Yes. uh, And we'll just kind of get into a few of those things. Yes. And
2: how we define terms like the kingdom
1: of God. Right. Yeah. And so we, when we dive into this again, this is where we either lean or hold, but again, we want to approach it from a place of humility and from a place of like, we don't know it all. Right. But, yes. but we're
3: here to learn like if Tim Keller disagrees with us then we definitely don't know it all hey. you know what I mean yes, yes. yeah like and
2: he's post mill
3: I know yeah. <laughs> TK man
1: Love so yeah
2: guy. yeah Billy, so if you're gonna give us a the brief definition, definition of Amelino
1: theology yes. to kick us off yes. what would it be
2: um, I would say this and that's very complicated to ask because simply I don't like the word autolinism yeah uh, the prefix uh, implies no or not uh, and 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 that is fitting in a way uh, Amillennialists would say that there's no literal thousand year okay. reign of Christ on the physical earth. So there, so that is where he would staunchly disagree. I would, I would disagree with that in that I, I do believe there is a millennium. There is a millennium. I just don't think it's on the earth. So that, and that's where the major divide between that's a huge divide. Yes, that's every a, other
3: thought goes. Yes, yeah. yes,
2: and so a millennialist would say that the period in which we're in right now is the millennium. And, and, and I, and I get what they're saying when I, when I say that I would prefer the term inaugurated eschatology. Um, okay. Yeah. So we, we've heard of the principle of already, but not yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so like, for instance, our salvation's already, but yet. Yeah, you know, the Bible speaks of us, even, even like, uh, let's take adoption. The Bible says that in Christ, we are adoption. We've received his spirit. The, um, mm-hmm. You know Galatians four, uh, but then it says that our adoption will come at the return of Christ, right, the right, redemption of our bodies. Right. There's an already but not yet. We are saved from sin's penalty right now, yeah. but we're not yet saved from sin's presence. There's an already but not yet. Satan is defeated; he's defeated, but he's not yet fully defeated. Right? There's good. There's already but not yet, and so. I take the same approach when I think about the kingdom of God. The King of God came with the king, Jesus. Right. Yeah. He, he said, the King of God is in your midst. He himself, the king brought the kingdom. So the inauguration of the kingdom of God came at the crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus, um, when he came. Okay. And that's so, the inauguration of the kingdom.
3: So then the amillennial, the do, dominating amillennial thought would say that the inauguration of the kingdom of God was not Jesus's birth was not his, uh, coming into Jerusalem mm-hmm. on a, on a, Full, cold. Yeah, yeah. Donkey. Yes. Uh, donkey was not yeah. coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. That's where dispensationalists would say it, yeah. it would say many of us at that point. The Amillennial thought would say the kingdom of God was inaugurated with the um, act of atonement and yes. the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They would I say, know
1: some do say at yes. the ascension.
3: Some some okay. would say that some because would say I, that too. You,
1: I mean you can even look at Matthew 28, right? Yes. Right. Uh, all, authority all authority in heaven, on on heaven, heaven and on earth has been given give
3: to me. To, but yes. the, the argument would be that those oh, regardless, in that, in time that frame, 3 yes. event period yes. is when the millennial is when that and kingdom was inaugurated. They
2: would say that the king was enthroned when he was lifted up.
3: Okay, and I mean Ephesians talks about that yeah, Yes. Like, where is Jesus right now? Right hand of the Father, right? Yes. Right? Like, and so and yeah. so
2: I would see the events of Christ, crucifixion, resurrection and ascension as all playing a part in the inauguration of the kingdom. Now the consummation of the kingdom will come when Christ returns, yeah. uh, when He brings heaven to earth fully, uh, and I think that that's really cool because amillennial eschatology really gets at the heart of what the Bible is all about, and that is the restoration of heaven and earth, of God's space and our space, yeah. which came in Jesus. That's good. Um, right? when, he, that's when, good. He's, when He set up His tabernacle yeah. on the earth, you know, yeah. it says in the original Greek, it says that He pitched His tent among us. Yeah. He came to dwell among us, uh, and so that is the picture of God's space and our space come back together, and then through the death and resurrection of Christ, uh, that is now spreading uh, throughout the people of God. So we talked. So, the kingdom of God is already, but not yet, is here in a spiritual sense, um, and it is continuing to progress throughout the nations and it will be constantly as return. Now, when you're asking me about the millennium, though, that's discussed in Revelation chapter 20 uh, verses 4 through 6, I view that as a heavenly millennium. As in, what it's discussing there, you know, the martyrs who are killed for their faith, I would take the view and I think the most homilies would that those are the faithful believers throughout church history from Christ's first advent to his second who died at the hands of the beast, whatever that is, whatever manifestation that might be in their time period and that they are ruling and reigning with Jesus right now in heaven. But, Let's make a let's make a point then about amillennial thought because you mentioned a few things in there. Yes. While
3: um, pre-mill and dispensational thought and post-mill look at the events of Revelation and look at it as literal,
2: futuristic,
3: um, futuristic yep. to be fulfilled historic events. Yes. Much of millennial thought looks at those discussions in Revelation and sees them as. Because they're prophetic literature and because they're narrative literature, they are not always literal, but oftentimes representative. Yes, absolutely. I I
1: think that's huge too. And again, we have a post on Grace Nation about apocalyptic writing, which is what Revelation is. Yeah. Right. And and I was reading a commentary and he was, the the guy who was writing commentary, I don't know uh, the name of the commentary or the author, I just remember it's from the commentary. (laughs) And he said that when you're reading apocalyptic uh, literature, uh, literalism is the exception not the key. Absolutely. And so... And that's what, Absolutely. like when we're looking at the differences between dispensational
3: yep. uh, theology, yes, the,
1: they yep. interpret yes. literally. literally. And yep. like that's you can even go back to Daniel, yep. you know, and I, you actually wrote a paper on this recently about
3: the seven. The 70 uh, weeks. The 70 weeks. Yeah, Daniel 9. yeah,
1: They're actually not even said to be weeks.
3: Yeah, The so in Daniel 9, it says there are 77s. Yeah. And so the Hebrew word that we originally, I think the ESV, is, ESV says, 70 weeks. It does, yeah. NIV I think says 77s. Yes. That term that's translated as sevens or weeks in the Hebrew, in the original Hebrew it is an intentionally ambiguous word yes. denoting a period of time with a beginning right, but without a conclusion. Exactly. Yes. Right? And, yes. and so yes. to take that And then say, okay, well, it has to be a literal 70 weeks.
1: Exactly. I think takes it out of the biblical context, not only of the biblical context, but of the context that the literature was written in. Yes, Because if you look at other apocalyptic writings, people of that era would not read apocalyptic literature and interpret it the same way you dispensationals interpret apocalyptic yeah, literature absolutely. and the Bible. Absolutely. I, I don't think you can make that. And yeah. that that's a huge problem yeah, with me when I I'm agree. looking at dispensational. And, thought.
3: If, and you said t- that I lean Amel, right? That word and that word alone is why yeah. I lean I Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 huge. Huge. If, I would yeah. love to talk to a dispensate. John MacArthur, I would love to talk to you about that because I want to hear (laughs) what you think on that, and I want to hear help me with that, right? Right. Again, approaching it from humility. Come on now, like, like we want to learn. But that word and the meaning of that word in the original Hebrew
2: is why I have an amillennial leaning. Yeah, yeah, and I would say, and I would say, you know, you're forced to if you do hold this position, and I did too is to say that there is a large separation between the 69th and 70th week. In in
3: dispensational theology. In dispensational theology.
2: There's not continuity between that. So I would say when it comes down to, and I think a classic example in Isaiah, um, where he talks about the stars falling from the sky, but he's referencing the fall of Jerusalem by Babylon. This is prophetic hyperbole. This is a part of apocalyptic literature. It's not meant to be taken literally necessarily, and that is the exception. Revelation, the book of Revelation, is written as apocalyptic literature. The word revelation is apocalypse. That's what that word means means, yeah. and it's written as a letter, first of all. Second of all, it's an, it's an epistle. Yes, and it quotes. Yes, it I mean, it, read it, the first three chapters. That's it good. is the number that's one good. book in the New Testament that quotes the Old Testament more than any other book, yep. so you have to understand the references. Over half of Revelation. Look back, yep. Exactly, and not only that, but it's a book that's not chronological. It recapitulates throughout the book. It cycles throughout the book. It's yep. a book of recapitulation. You constantly see references that's what I was gonna to the end. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that. So, yeah.
1: in, in, when we were talking about pre-mill, uh, dispensational thought and post-mill, uh, we kind of gave the timeline in which those uh, belief systems would say the end times go down. Give me the ah Amil timeline. Yes. Okay.
2: This will be easy. Uh (laughs) It is. It is easy (laughs) because this is the the, (laughs) the simplest timeline out of any of them. (laughs) And I will. God returns in the
1: future.
3: Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And done. Done. Yes. (laughs) And so, I'll say, um, so really briefly, what happens. Um, so, like I said, the book of Revelation is a book of Recapitulation. So, they would say that the battles of Revelation 19 and 20 are the same battle from two different perspectives. And so, what happens in Revelation 20 is that it goes back to the beginning, and it tells the story of the Inner advent age between Christ's first coming and his second coming, that we are in that period now, the period of the kingdom of God advancing um, the... The, the gospel spreading, uh, the inauguration of his kingdom came at his first coming, and now it's continued to progress and advance, uh, and that at the end of this period, so during this period, Satan is bound. We, we can go into that right after this. Right. We can talk about the meaning of that, but Satan is bound during this period. At the end of this period, at the end of Revelation 20, uh, verse 6, uh, then the final battle occurs, uh, and then that's when Jesus returns. He he resurrects his saints. Um, he, he brings them down with him. We talked about the rapture, right. basically, and the post, the post trip rapture. That's what we are hearing to here is a millennialist. And that as Christ is returning, he is bringing judgment on the nations that are opposed to him. Um, he will resurrect all people, the, the righteous and the unrighteous. Then judgment will take place, the great white throne judgment, separating the sheep and the goats, uh, and then they will be eternally brought into the, the unbelievers will be eternally cast into the lake of fire. Death and Hades will go there too. And Satan too. Uh, he will be judged. And then we who are left, we who are, are spared by the blood of Jesus, the new heavens and new earth will be inaugurated, the consummation of the kingdom. And we will spend forever and ever with Jesus. Right. Um, we and our inheritance will be, you know, he will be our God. We will be his people. He'll be with us forever right. and ever. Yeah. And yeah. so as we're
1: running out of time here, I do
2: want to ask a few questions about okay. the millennial thought yes. that I think
1: some people may have. Go for it. Yes, uh, let's go ahead. Specifically, differentiating between premium thought and amillennial uh, thought. Yes. So from and obviously I know the answers I just want to ask. Yeah, go for it.
3: Yeah. So obviously, obviously obviously I know all the answers. Uh, President you know, of Pre-Grace oh, yeah. nations, know,
1: I'm approaching this in humility yeah. obviously. No, okay. Yeah. That's not. What I'm <laughs> so where's the antichrist? Uh, is is there a literal or actually no, let, let's ask this first. <laughs> yeah. What's Satan doing right now?
2: Okay. So, because we you read in scripture, that one. I'll go for the, okay. like, the other one.
1: So, it, yeah. we read in scripture that during this reign, Satan is bound yes. in the abyss. We yes. read that. So, give like what does that mean? Because we read throughout scripture, Satan is like a lion ready yes. to, to pounce yes uh, that's actually the only time he's referred yeah, to yeah that's Azzelon. that's first Peter five so yeah. so tell me how that plays out and how uh, omillennial thought interprets yes uh, what
2: Satan is doing as of right now yeah and I, w- I will time. say and I will quote um, both David Platt and Sam Storms, who are both amillennialists, who I very much deeply respect as theologians, um, they are brilliant. And David Platt actually preached a sermon on this, and what he said was Satan is bound in the sense, um well we quote Matthew 12, 28, how Jesus says he's coming to bind the strong man so that he could loot his house. And so that happened at Christ's first coming. Uh through his resurrection through his crucifixion, resurrection, he bound Satan, uh, not in the literal sense, but in the spiritual sense. Satan his he is restricted um from doing certain things. And what specifically well, if we look at the context of Revelation 20, he is bound for two for two reasons. One, he cannot stop the advancement of the gospel.
3: Man, he come cannot.
2: He cannot stop the advancement of the gospel. He cannot stop the elect from hearing it or from them believing in it. That, That'll oh, preach. Man. Yes, and I think that's important that we under, when we come to that word, Bind, bound, that's what that, that's right. implying. Yeah. He cannot stop the Great Commission. The gospel cannot fail. Uh, he is restricted from that. Jesus, uh, in John, I think 17, before he gives the high, no, 16, before the high priestly prayer, he says, now is the rule of this world cast down. Wow. He's talking about okay. Satan uh, right before he's about to die. So specifically he's, Satan now is bound from prohibiting
3: the advancement of the gospel he can't that's that's
2: one reason okay that's the first second the second second is is that he cannot gather the nations to perform this premature um eschatological battle between the people of god and all the other nations he can't assemble the nations to destroy the church yet yet okay yet yeah until he is released and given that power by 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 god himself prior to the second advent of Jesus. It's so okay. cool that God controls I know, right? the, the amount of power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah think like, oh! yeah, sovereignty. My like, yeah. man. Yeah, um, think Joe. Like, Satan can't I do just, anything without
1: his permission. I even just preached on, you know, the how God uh sent a messenger of Satan to give yeah, Paul. To Corinthians storm. 12, yeah. Yeah. Like you know, God used a messenger of, uh, anyway, that's a whole nother
0: thing.
3: <laughs> Tyler, yeah. answer our question real quick. You know what? We'll I, you. Before I do that, actually can I can I close by reading like, can, I, can we wrap up all this by just reading Revelation 19, yeah. um, which yeah. is really the thing we're all looking for?
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's
3: the we talked about approaching in humility and a part of that is having an area we agree on. And that area we agree on is the event that is being documented in revelation 19. Listen to this. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows, but himself. we can disagree on things we can have areas where we don't understand or go mm. into things but one thing we can say Jesus is going to to return mm. and when he returns he yes. will return on a mm. white stallion with a robe dipped in his own blood, his own blood. with a yeah. thigh tat and king of kings and lord yes. of lords <laughs> yeah. as his name because he is the true king of kings and he will rule and reign over his people and alongside his people forever and ever, and ever and ever yeah. and there is Amen. nothing greater to hope in there is nothing greater to know yeah.
0: that is what that's we this live is our, for this, that's our that's this is our blessed hope Absolutely. 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 Well,
1: guys, and I mean, I just want to highlight again. We said it in the the part one of this uh, episode, guys. Please don't let your uh, non-orthodoxy beliefs affect. Your biblical mm-hmm. orthodoxy. Absolutely. Don't let it happen. Uh, don't don't uh, place this heavy word of heretic on, on people who are not. Yeah. Uh, who are not preaching a gospel contrary to the one that has been given to us. Right. Um. It's a as a heavy word, and yeah. so often just throw it around. Yeah. Uh, like it's nothing. Right. So, uh, with that being said, guys, we're doing uh a giveaway uh, that we that I mentioned in the last episode. So if, All right. if you want to be a part of this giveaway, please just go onto iTunes, give us a five-star review and give us a, uh, just like a short snippet of what you thought about the podcast. Okay. And you will be automatically entered Woo! to win a uh, Reformation study Bible. Ooh, yes. oh. That's going to be fun. Yeah, do be you cool. like that Bible? Uh, I mean, I don't have one. I, I don't own one personally, but I've looked at it and I, I mean, I enjoy I'm it. Dude, um, I'm a big fan. Dude, that thing fan. is heavy. Is it is big? Like, it's no, a big like, book. No, it's got like like some Steven, maps Steven it.
2: threw it at me and my hand hurts so <laughs> yeah, bad. it's a big like. book. Okay, so
1: uh, thank you guys. We, we kept it under 40 minutes for you guys. And so we hope That's you enjoy kind of the shorter podcast. They will get shorter in the future as we kind of try and just dial back uh, the... Gr- yeah, mass amount of conversation yeah. we can have. Please
2: yeah. send us questions. Yeah, we're gonna
1: do that Q and A episode. So get send us questions. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, please do at Grace Nation Men. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, get connected with us. Send me an email at uh, grace uh, nation ministries at Yahoo.com. I will be so appreciative. I have nothing better to do uh, than than uh, to read your email. So <laughs> nothing better. <He's laughs> nothing a, he better. He really doesn't. I'm which, his
2: roommate. I know he really doesn't. Which he doesn't have homework.
1: <laughs> no, I have nothing. I'm <laughs> not rather... listening. To this I really podcast, love. He just reads I really do enjoy interacting with you guys. Uh, so with that being said, until next time, have a great Thanksgiving, take care, and, and God, God bless.
0: bless. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. The BGN podcast comes out every week. Questions? Email us at gracenationministries at yahoo.com or tweet us at gracenationmin. Until next time, take care and God bless.